Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. I am Joe, and with me is... Jack, Data, and Jamie. And we are here talking about Elantris, chapters 4, 5, and 6, wherein uh, Galadon shows Raiden how Elantris works. Talk, we get to learn a little bit about the gangs uh, that comprise most of the city, and uh, then we get an extra special treat. We find out that... Uh, the Elantrians still have the ability to use magic. And then in Chapter 5, uh, we get Serini in the court of Iodin. Prathen shows up, makes some veiled threats, takes off. Serini meets her uncle in court, Keen. She goes to his house, meets his kids, his wife, has some dinner, has a good time. And then in Chapter 6, we get back with Thrathen, who checks out Elantris and cooks up a scheme to use the Elantrians to convert the unbelievers of K. So hold on to something. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Feed the fire, set me free in this city of dreams. Push my mind into overload. Hack the wire, smash the team in this city of dreams. We'll be in So yeah, we had uh, just a, a new triad, some interesting stuff. Fun, fun fact before we get into it: this uh, her uncle is the first character we've met with the double I, which is pronounced according to the pronunciation key as I I. So his name is Kai Ein. Well, that's not confusing at all. Yeah, no, I'm just yeah. gonna say Keen. I'm, Keen I'm is how Keen. I say it too. Yeah. yeah. Is he based on these pr- pronunciations on particular cultures or something or? Uh, so he, he is bringing it, apparently he had like a, a language person and helped develop this, his own language. But the, the pronunciations of the vowels seem to be due to the fact that as we get into aeons more, it'll talk about it. And you can see the list of aeons in the back of the book. It won't, if you want to go look at what they look like, it's not, it's not going to spoil anything to see the list of aeons, but the names are kind of based. Everyone's name in aeonic, at least is based on an aeon. And so it's like the name is like built around the name of the aeon. And so that mm. contributes to some of the weirdness in how things okay. are pronounced. Yeah. But, but anyway, so what did you guys think of these three chapters? So I uh, I really enjoyed the fourth chapter, Raiden uh, hanging out with Galadin in uh, in Elantris. Uh, I thought the gang thing was really cool that there's three gangs and they kind of each run their own area of Elantris. As far as Galadon basically saying, like, I don't know anybody who's lasted years in here. I think that's total crap. I think there's, like, especially the gang leaders, I, I feel like they've probably been there for a long, long time. Maybe even some of them, like, for, te- for since Elantris was there, or excuse me, since Elantris changed. So um, even though everybody's saying, like, oh, they don't, you know, we killed them all. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't, I don't feel like maybe that's not, not, not actually the case. So it was cool them walking around them him showing him where all the gangs hang out them on the buildings and then going back to Galadon's place seeing all the books learning learning that magic is still a thing uh very interesting i think that's going to open up a lot of possibilities for um for Raiden and the people in Elantris uh going forward Serene, I she's just uh she's just a fun person to be to see uh the perspective of i think so that chapter was enjoyable as well. You know, she gets she gets a bit of home 
in finding her uncle there in the court. And so that opens up a lot of stuff for her to feel more comfortable there. And then also, uh, obviously, there's some background stuff with her uncle that could be interesting to be filled in. And her uncle has been there for a long time. So he kind of knows the history of what happened back when Elantris changed. So a lot of a lot of cool potential there. And then Hrathen, man, I just you you love a zealot, right? I just want to see what what this guy's going to do. It's uh, I hope it's exciting uh, and interesting because he just seems so conniving and devious. So I'm excited for uh, for that as well. So, yeah, so I, I enjoyed uh, all three of these chapters. Cool, cool. Yeah, I it well, it'll be interesting as we see more about the gang leaders. I know Galadon. It's like, yeah, people don't last long in here. Uh, I think that's one of the first things he talks about in this chapter. But who knows if he's uh, 100% correct on that. Yeah, these are pretty fun. I mean, obviously, we're still in setup mode. We're still just, you know, learning about how things work and the and the various characters. Yeah, I liked learning about the various gangs in that are still in Elantris and the gang leaders. is very, like, zombie Mad Max in the city style. So that's kind of cool. The The scene with... So with Serene's uh, uncle, Kyan. Oh, that's gonna take some getting used to. That was that was that was pretty cool. It did throw me. I was just like, oh god, that's a lot of characters coming hard and fast, and I have to try and keep separate from each other because most of them are just like, this is my son, this is my other son, this is not my son, he's my stepson, and this is my other. And I'm like, Jesus, slow down. Okay, all right, family tree, family tree, let's go. But once eventually, eventually, like got it all sorted. But I'm just like, all right, we've got all these people. Which of them are important? Which ones aren't? And like, presumably they all will be at some point. But yeah, it was it was fun. It was just like, God, I got to keep all these people straight. And there was it was it seemed like a lot of people in a very short amount of time. And then yeah, Harathan was like, every time this guy shows up, I just keep waiting for someone to die. <laughs> so like, we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, in my head, I'm picturing him as Richard Armitage. Like, if you, you know, there's your fan casting for this one. Um, interesting interesting okay yeah I, I have no idea why that popped in my head it just did and like all right well we're going with this now but yeah it's just like he's he's just basically just skulking around just going all right let's get the lad land and get ready to just mess some people up it really seems like he didn't waste any time he's like all right come in meet the king that failed all right let's go in with the real plan so yeah i think the body count's gonna mount up around this guy yeah it seemed like he was kind of expecting what happened with the king yeah so it was just part of the plan it's all part of the plan. Um, yeah, I I enjoy these chapters as well. I think the yeah the insight into the the gangs and and sort of how it's all set up in the city of Elantris is pretty cool. And the little bits of uh, I guess well, knowledge nuggets we can bring knowledge nuggets back into this book. That's <laughs> fine. You know, sort of who's who in the zoo and how they're all a little bit different. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I really liked that a bit of magic is going to follow them too. So I think we we're all expecting a little bit of magic somewhere, but not quite sure where it's going to pop up. I really enjoyed the interaction for Serene and her family. I thought that was a bit of fun. It's nice to have a family that actually likes each other in this book rather than having families trying to kill everybody and just being yeah. awful people. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed that interaction as well. And yeah, Haraven. This guy, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's going to bring in some really messed up stuff, I think. But good to read sort of what he's up to and his his sidekick as well. He really has some issues he needs to work out. But, yeah, I think it's it's good. It's nice to sort of set up a little bit more, get a little bit more information on what we built on last week. It's still very much, I guess, in the setup 
phase, but I think it's it's all going to happen really quickly given that this is like a standalone story. We're not going to be building to something that's really, really huge. So I'm looking forward to seeing it all kick off very soon. Yeah, that uh, Diloff or Diloff, however you say his yeah. uh, name, he, he needs some therapy or something. Yeah, he's he's got issues. <laughs> There's so many names, like that they're like titles and then names and then all this sort of stuff. I'm like, I don't even know what your real name is anymore. <laughs> <Dilla>. Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm having to keep extensive notes to keep up with all of it. It's a lot. <laughs> Just pick one. <laughs> yeah, now that you, uh, you you don't have to write down any uh, epigraphs, you got new new note-taking <laughs> opportunities. Yeah, to up. it's, it's a Roll lot. Roll yeah, even with uh, even with all the names, it's actually a lot less than what I was doing before. Because uh, before, when we would read a section, it would take me two or three pages front and back because I was writing out the epigraphs. This was only one front page, so mm, see? E- easier for sure. Just wait till we get to Stormlight. It's uh, it's epic. There'll be lots of people and things yeah. happening. Hopefully, I'll be dead long before we get to Stormlight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, before we get into it, I'm, I was going to say, since we're starting with Rowden's chapter, I thought I would mention this thing from the uh, the annotations. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you guys are getting used to Colo yet. We talked about it last time. But uh, what he says is his editor and him agreed on almost every edit or change made to Elantris, except for how often the word Colo was used. So... <laughs> I'm guessing Brandon was pro Colo. Yeah. His editor was con Colo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly. Brandon Brandon says that because he he's doing with like the three main characters or the three main viewpoint characters, I should say. Like he knew that Galadon's not going to have like this viewpoint when we're doing uh, triads, right? So he's like I have to get his characterization across in the dialogue. And so I wanted him to have like a very specific sound and attitude to his speech. And part of that was like, he wanted it to have a chatty feel. He says the doula habit of calling everyone friend comes from this idea that they're chatty. And that also ending a statement, he says, linguistically questions are less antagonistic than statements. So adding this question at the end of everything he says is like specifically designed to make the language feel like not antagonistic. And he says that, there are several real languages, such as Korean, which is one that he knows, that do a similar thing. Even Canadians get made fun of for being like, a eh? at the end of sentences or whatever. And so he says it's kind of the same concept. Those are trying to sound like softer by being inter- interrogative at the end. It's That's one of the criticisms of the Australian accent, like how we always just end everything in a question mark because we're too <laughs> insecure to say it as a statement. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it happens all the time. Interesting. Okay, I don't right know that I've that heard that down. before. Joe's like, next time I'm impersonating Australia, I'm going to make sure I do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, question mark. Yeah, they call it upspeak. So, oh, yeah. I, I thought, I, I've heard the term. I thought we, like, Colo was him checking his understanding. So I was getting really annoyed because I was like, how dumb do you think this guy is? <laughs> <laughs> At the end of every statement, it's like, do you understand? Do you understand? I was like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit him. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's like a Jack Sparrow savvy thing, right? Yeah, like that, that, that bloody owl from Oh my gosh! <laughs> Would you like uh, me to repeat that, Colo? 
Oh gosh. And then you ac- you accidentally <laughs> say yes and then you hate yourself oh, for the rest of your life. <laughs> but Brandon's oh, editor Colo. found the colos too distracting and also felt that in connection with Sule, people would get the two words confused and start having trouble understanding the sentences. So the editor kept cutting them out and Brandon kept putting them back in. And he's like, in each successive draft, he'd try to cut more, and I'd try to keep a hold of as many as possible. And it says, I was half tempted to throw a colo into the draft of Mistborn just uh, to amuse him. <laughs> and so apparently, the editor, I would <laughs> <laughs> apparently, they the the like compromise is that instead of having like the end of the sentence be like comma colo question mark. The sentences are now, it's like, it's hot today, period. And then colo question mark is a different sentence. And somehow that made the thing easier to swallow, I guess, for his editor. Okay. Every colo. What would that do to the word count? Interesting question. I guess it depends <laughs> on how much Galadon talks overall. Oh, no, we've lost like a whole fifth of the book. <laughs> he says they ended up cutting between a third and a half of the uses of the word overall. Okay. So Brandon did the put double what you want in so that <laughs> exactly. you can half taken out to get what you want. <laughs> oh, man. There we go. Perfect. So yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be a lot of colo. As we get into Rowden's chapter, I thought that that would be a fun uh, a fun detail to mention. I like this. This chapter also starts just like the, the last one didn't start with. But when he shows up in Elantris, there's the woman screaming. And here we're still it's like, yep, woman keeps screaming. But this is a different woman this time. So it's okay. I, I, I don't know why that makes it okay. But. I was going to say, is it? <laughs> it's not okay. Everyone's screaming. It's a shit place. But someone new has been thrown into Elantris, a woman who he says, uh, it says her face bespoke hard-won wisdom and courage, which made watching her even, all the more difficult now that she's tossed in here and not happy and kind of breaking down, basically. Because she screams and screams and scratches at the slime on the doors and eventually is just kind of like, Gives up. It's sad. And uh, we start to figure out the system here for who gets to attack you when you show up to town. Basically, if you step one way when you come in the door, one gang gets you. If you step another way, another gang gets you. And the third way, the third one. So he says, Rowden made a bad choice. Uh, he stepped, I guess, left. What was it? No, he stepped right. He Galadon says if he mm. turned right, if she had turned right like you, she would have been at the dubious mercy of Sheor's men. If she's like people, people getting tossed into Arkham City. You turn one way, you've got the Penguins gang. You turn another way, you got Two Faces gang, and then the final way, that's the Joker. You don't want to go there. Yeah, nobody wants to go there. That's a good point. It, it is reminiscent. It's like the city was like, all right, we're just tossing everyone in there and just forgetting about them. And then Bruce Wayne ends up in there. <laughs> well, that's that. That's Rowden. Yeah, Rowden, that Rodden is totally Bruce Wayne. That that works. Yeah, sure. Except he's you know a zombie also. Mm. But yeah, he's like uh, Karata is a uh, the the direction that she did turn. Galen's like her Karata's men rarely hurt you. They just uh, take your stuff. Better be hungry than spend the next few years with a broken arm. He's like, wait, next few years? I thought you said you know we we live forever, right? He's like, yeah, we assume. Um, you know, if you can find Melantrian who stays sane until forever, then I guess we'll be able to prove or disprove that theory. And he tells them that people last like a year in Elantris, maybe two, before they just lose it. <laughs> the cuts and bruises and stub toes pile up, and a person can only take so much before they're just lying there mumbling or screaming. 
Galadon himself has only been here a few months. And they talk about the hunger a little more. He's like, why do they even want like that shit food? But it's like, there's a, there's one loaf of bread and a few crappy vegetables. And he's like, oh, you just wait when you get hungry enough. And Galadon's like, geez, are you not scared of anything? And he's like, actually, pretty much everything here terrifies me. I'm just good at not showing it. So we got three gangs ruling three sections of the city, much like Arkham City. This is, Elantris is now Arkham City in my brain. You've, you've ruined it forever. <laughs> the market section is ruled by Sheor. That's going to be the Joker. Sure. Because Sheor's men are crazy. And he's like, yeah, you remember when they were they were too busy licking the slime off your offerings to introduce themselves? Karata, she's the one who very politely relieved that woman of her food today. She runs uh, which section? The palace, and then Anden, or maybe it's A A Anden, or Andine. I'm gonna say Anden. Spends his time in the university, and he's like, "Oh, really?" So he's like a smart guy. He's like, "No, he just uh, realized that a lot of the older texts were written on vellum, and you can eat that." I will gain this book's knowledge by eating the book. <laughs> And Radon's like, Edo Stomi, that's atrocious. The old scrolls, there's supposed to be countless original works in there. They're priceless. Galen's like, yeah, well, you know, what good is literature when your stomach hurts so much your eyes water? And he's like, two-century-old lambskin can't possibly taste very good. And he's like, well, it's better than slime. So they ran out of scrolls a few months back and tried boiling books, but that didn't work very well. Hmm. I'm trying to decide if books would be edible. I guess. Maybe. I mean, it's probably it worth paper. Mm. Yeah, it's it's not good on the digestive system, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, v- vellum is just animal like skin, so that I I feel like that that's not much better. So pork rinds is what you're saying. Mm. Okay, <laughs> leather. Yeah, that makes that's less appetizing. And, There's uh, no good outcome here no, for anyone's no. food choices. I guess if you're hungry enough, and I get, Robin's like, I'm surprised they didn't try eating each other, and he's like, Oh no, it's been tried. But apparently something happens to us and it makes us taste really bad uh, when you turn into an Elantrian. It's so violently bitter that no one can keep it down. You taste like the buffet at Sizzla. (laughs) (laughs) I guess really, if you're going to make all these people like so hungry, they'll do anything to eat. You kind of have to write that they taste bad or there's no explanation for why they haven't all murdered each other. Yeah. Yeah. True. Plus, you know, it's not really a logical leap. It's like, okay, all right, you guys now look like you got covered in blotches and everything else like that. Yeah, okay, there's going to be some sort of rot in you that's going to make you mm. taste foul. Mm. I've always wondered about that with, like, zombie stuff, too. It's like the zombies don't eat each other, but they still have flesh and, like, organs and stuff. It's, uh, there's no friendly fire in zombie land. Yeah. And then we have one of those jumps that Joe finds jarring. I think you get used to them as as we go. Yeah, but is it something I should have to get used to? Well, and I, I mean, really, I guess in a, in a different world where the chapters were written together, it would be like, this is where you would jump to Serene for a minute, and then you jump back, and it would be the next part. But uh, he separated them out, so you get everybody's story separately. So, But Rowden makes a good point here. That he's thinking, he's like, 10 years is not long enough for like a city to start crumbling, and the wood and bricks are decaying and stuff. It's like the city itself is somehow dying and rotting. And it's impossible to keep clean of the slime. Everything is covered with slime. Mm, ectoplasmic goo, huh? <laughs> Save me some. Yeah. Like, where is this shit coming from? <laughs> yeah, do we think, like, 
the very city itself was forged by like a shard and that shard is dying so its body's like decaying Ew. like the like elantris is the shard its body and then like Ooh. it's like sliming up and everyone who's touched by the shard's powers like bound to rot as well and now you got me consumed by the goo got me picturing yeah. the entire city like getting up and walking away like a kaiju or like a castle yeah. bat bat castle <laughs> right. whatever it was called lion turtle sure <laughs> <laughs> like the the entire city just turns into goo and all of a sudden a tidal wave of the shit just floods k oh that would that's a gross Ew. picture okay <laughs> sounds delicious like preaching in the street and the like has that cartoon thing where the shadow falls and his congregation runs away. He turns around, <laughs> just looks up, and is like, "Ah, oh, no, I knew this was coming." Ah, shoot, Dareth. It's it, it's 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 like when all the slime falls on the guy at the end of Ghostbusters. He just looks up and everyone's run away, and he's like, "Oh no." <laughs> like Leela with the oil, just puts her hoodie on and zips it up so he can just yep. see her eye. Yep. <laughs> now you stay away from those puffin twins. <laughs> <laughs> Put your hand in your buttocks. That's nature's pocket. Make sure he doesn't, doesn't, pick, he doesn't his... pick your pocket. Yeah, don't let him pick your pocket. Oh gosh. So we find out that the uh, the the people in Elantris that are just so far gone that they can't even you can't even interact with them ever anymore. Galadon calls them the Hoed or Ho Hode. I don't know how you say that. Hode. Their minds are lost and their lives filled with continual, unrelenting torture. So that's nice. And we hear some yeah, of them talking. Domi, domi, domi. So beautiful. Once so very beautiful. Stop, stop, stop. Make it stop. So yeah, n- n- nice folk. I imagine the real estate there is pretty cheap. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know, it, I guess it depends. Uh, is it the neighborhood you, you want to buy in? <laughs> well, it gets you into the market. <laughs> it, it's a very select thing, though, because you got to become an elantrian before they let you in. So. Yeah, true. That's an a exclusive slum? Thing. Yeah. A very exclusive slum covered in slime. A slime slum. (laughs) (laughs) And he's thinking about his friends. So he says that Keen uh, is is a buddy of his. And he's like, I wonder if they'll keep the group together. What about my best friend, Lukal? I barely got to know his new wife. And I'm not going to meet my own wife. Which, uh, foreshadow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was she really as witty and interesting as she seemed? So it's it's kind of fun seeing his perspective that he also kind of liked her. Point to yes. You think she's witty? You don't know how witty she seemed, though. We never saw their conversation. That's true. But, you know, she seems witty. She she certainly got one over on her little little cousin. But she's like, I remember remember somebody saying I was was too tall in my... (laughs) (laughs) Take that, 12-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Also, I'm going to admit that it wasn't until we were just recording this right now that we got to, oh, my best friend, Lukal. I'm like, wait a minute, that name's familiar. Oh, that's um, the stepson. Yep, we know that guy. Yep. I did not put that together until just now. Forever. Well, yeah, because we see it here, and it's just one name among a million that we've never actually met. And then yeah, yeah, we'll get it later. He's like, yeah, I guess she'll never come. She's going to hear that I'm dead and never even leave Teod. He doesn't know she came early to surprise him. Right. I wonder if Lukal's gonna like. I mean, surely he's gonna be like. So I actually knew the guy you're supposed to marry. He was he was a cool guy. Mm, maybe. 
So, well, so did the uncle, apparently, because he's mentioned here as well. It's like he's holding the group together. It's like, fuck, everyone just knew him. Yep. Well, he, he was the kind prince. Of too weird now that, it's a bit weird now that Luke didn't mention it because there was clearly an opening there. <laughs> yeah, Keen as well, but I guess they got some kind of secret underground thing going. Like yeah. Ellen's, like, philo- philosophizing group. Except, you know, probably, you Useful. know, valuable as opposed to his group, which is <laughs> terrible. <laughs> oh, speaking of, I was, after we talked last time and Dak was like, because he, he talks about how he's going to have to, Harrowrathen's going to have to send all those priests back. And we're like, well, how far away is that? And I had to go and look. And if you look at the maps at the beginning, Teod, which we know is five days away, is actually further away on this map than Fjordan is. Oh, Okay. If you go back and look at that map, the one that had Naz's like note on it, you can see Fjordan has taken over like this entire continent except for the little piece that's Aralon. And then Teod is up in the north a little bit. Yeah, I guess. So anyway, that helps was... that Fjordan is also just like freaking huge. Yeah. Well, and I mean, in the letter that he that uh, Viking Pope sent was like, we've taken all the lands except for these now. But I, it, that didn't really like jog in my brain until you look at the map and it's like, oh. They really do have like all these countries under them, including Duladel, where Galadon's from. So, Dunedain. It's always going to be Dunedain now. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he's like, Yeah, she's going to stay in Teod and find another husband, I guess. No one knew what had caused the Riyadh. There were those that theorized, most of them Dorethi priests, that the fall of Elantris had been caused by God. So, the Elantrians living as gods uh, set themselves up. You just gotta can't let that happen. God under the rock struck them down. Yay! Yep. <laughs> uh, it had come with a tempest. That much even Rowden remembered. The earth itself shattered. An enormous chasm appearing in the south of Aralon. You can actually see that if you look at the map that's just Aralon. There's like a big, like Grand Canyon looking thing in the south. I like how it says that even Rowden remembered. Like this was only ten years ago. He wasn't like five. <laughs> I don't like. I don't understand how old he's supposed to be, but surely, I'm not sure, yeah, surely he would have been like a teen when it happened. You would think, right? Like he can't. He's got to be in like his twenties at the at the right. young, youngest at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't like was twenty two or something. Yeah, mm. like he was younger than her, I think. But for some reason, in my head, he was about twenty two. Now she was twenty five. Sounds well past right. her prime, apparently. <laughs> yeah, totally. Even yes. though, still. Even so, if like if there was a great earthquake when I was twelve, I'm pretty sure I would You'd remember, remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I wouldn't I mean, be like, man, I'm surprised I remember that. I'd be like, no, that was horrible. I remember everything. The I big mean, one. Yeah. Our our city caught fire when we were fourteen. Like we both remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet. Oh yeah. <laughs> Jimmy's like, I do remember that actually. <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, I'm surprised I remember that. It, it took me a while to. It took me a while to realize that you were talking about something that actually happened, not <laughs> hypothetically something. No, I didn't make that yeah. up. <laughs> no, I remember. I I was here when it happened. <laughs> I was I was here. I do remember. I remember evacuating. It's fine. <laughs> so yes, Rowden. Maybe he's younger than we think. Who knows? He was like, I was five back then. I'm 15 now. <laughs> uh, I'm not past my prime. I'm right in my prime <laughs> marrying years. Oh, gosh. But he, I, he, he he takes it as, it's like this, everything should not be crumbling in just 10 years. The filth shouldn't be piling up this quickly. Not with so few people here. It's like Elantris is intent on dying. A city committing suicide. Yeah. 
It's like this slime is ash or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is a, a, a weird uh, parallel, yeah. Yeah, it's magic it like is rain dying. from the sky. Oh, what if we get into like the next Rowden chapter and it's like Galen's like, oh, here comes the slime rain. <laughs> uh oh. I would be like, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Does it always just rain weird shit in these books? It's like only in Elantris, though. Like people outside yeah. never see the slime rain. In Stormlight, it rains puppies. <laughs> I, I, I won't. That, that would be nice. Well, the word storm well, is right there as, in Stormlight. So. As, as 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 long as you are, they yeah. they land safely. Yeah, right. That would be messed right. up. If, yeah. uh, it's just Aww. dead puppies falling Aww. from the sky. Well, it's it's like the it's the, the fourth Dresden Files book, yeah, where it's like frogs are raining down, and at first it's just like gentle. And he's like, oh hey, look, let's take a look at this frog, and then it gets kind of messed up, and he's trying to drive, and they're like splattering on his windshield, and <laughs> that's that's actually happened though. I think that happened in L.A. Ugh. There was a tornado or something that was a bit further inland. It picked up a whole bunch of frogs off a pond and then they just flew through the sky and then they all just landed in, in it. I think it was LA. I could be wrong, but yeah, I, like they I had have heard about frog, that happening. frog rain yeah. for like days. It's messed up. Oh yeah. Messed up. So anyway, Galadon is going to, is taking route into the market next. He's like, yeah, merchants used to come to sell their exotic goods to the Elantrians. A man could buy like anything here. They didn't give everything away for free. Colo. Now this is just where we get the shivs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's because he says Colo at the end, but it's like they didn't give every thing away for free. Colo, it sounds like sexual. Like <laughs> <laughs> They didn't give it all away. Colo. Wink. Wink. Yeah, now I'm replacing that with like a wink and a nudge. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Colo. <laughs> <laughs> And Rowden says, can we get closer? And Galen's like, well, you can if you want. Uh, I'm not going in there. Shayor's men are fond of chasing people. It's probably one of the few pleasures they have left. And he's like, okay, well, tell me about Shayor. And Galadon's like, well, you know, in a place like this, you look for a leader, someone to, to ward off the chaos and make you feel like a society for a little bit. Shayor likes controlling people. And for some reason, the most wild and morally corrupt Elantrians find their way to him. And Browden's like, well, if they're so uncontrollable, then why is there even, like, an agreement? Why is anyone following this agreement? And Galadon's like, well, because the other gangs are also big, and no one wants to, like, have a fight where you never recover from any of the wounds. So, uh, yeah, that would suck. So they don't want to have an Anchorman-style fight because <laughs> they won't recover from, like, a cut-off arm or... And they won't die from it either, so... Yeah, they're just hanging out. That was so, tough. like, that one guy from Anchorman who's just like, oh, not again. <laughs> uh, that one guy being Luke Wilson? Yes. Yeah, that guy. I killed a guy with a trident. Yeah, we saw that. <laughs> yeah, Brick killed a guy. Yeah, I've been meaning to talk to you about that, Brick. You may want to uh, go to a friend's house or lie low, because you're <laughs> probably wanted for murder. <laughs> it really got out of hand. So then they, they go see the university where Karata hangs out. Oh, no, that's where Andon hangs out. I'm sorry. The palace and the university border each other, and that's Karata and Andon's mm. stomping grounds. I don't know if you guys, I, I know I've talked about the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt before, but any time Karata's name came up, I just kept thinking, Karate, Karate, which is something <laughs> that they, uh, they have in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So you should definitely watch it. It's worth a watch. I saw the first episode. I was kind of like, eh. there's a spire that he's like 
a really tall structure. It's like, yeah, that's supposed to be the very center of Elantris. Once you could climb the stairs winding around it and look over the whole city. Nowadays, I would not trust it. I mean, if it's covered in slime, yeah, you probably don't want to climb up like some open air stairs. Yeah. Plus, even if you climbed up real slow, I, I feel like it wouldn't be good for your body mm. if it doesn't like recover stamina well. Yeah. For you to yep. do that. Plus, there's also the fact that all the other spires have fallen down, so that one could fall at any moment, and then enjoy feeling that pain for the rest of your life. Right. Apparently, Karata is more selective. She does not often let new members into her gang, and she's extremely territorial. Shaor's men might chase you for a while if you wander under his turf, but only if they feel like it. Karata does not allow intruders. But if you leave her alone, she leaves you alone, so it works out. And apparently, Karata is not a fan of being an Elantris, more so than the others, because she keeps trying to escape. And if you try to, apparently, if you get caught four times, the priests just burn you. Nice priests. Well, you know, you can't have the dead just wandering around. No, yeah, you don't want that. This isn't Final Fantasy X, people. The dead can't just wander <laughs> around and marry our women, okay? Hey, if it's if it's going to be Oren, Oren, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I guess. He was pretty cool. Yeah, he's the best. Um, and I, like she, she keeps trying to break into the palace, and Robin's like, well, what does she want in the palace? And Galadon's like, I, I don't know. She doesn't tell me. Um, we're not friends. We don't hang out. Most people think she wants to assassinate the king, and Ron's like, why? She's like, I don't know. Revenge? Discord? Bloodlust? Whatever. Bloodlust. <laughs> she she definitely sounds like the bloodlust type if she, like, kindly removes people's food from them without hurting them. Yeah, but don't go in her territory, or she'll get you. I mean, this whole thing says a hell of a lot about her, as, as it is, because it says, oh, yeah, you know, she just breaks out of Elantris, goes to the, to the palace in K. Like people on the outside don't know about the Elantrian's injury thing, so she like tries to break into the palace. Presumably, she gets the shit kicked out of her, and she's living with that every time she comes back into mm. Atlantis. That's a good point. She's hardcore. Yeah, which is another reason I think maybe like maybe not all the gang leaders, but maybe one or two of them have been Elantrians longer, and mm, maybe there's some yeah. like and and we see Galadin practices magic, so at the end of the chapter, so maybe some way they're using magic to keep themselves kind of more sturdy. Sure that they're casting, like, iron skin or... Sure. Mage Heart armor. Skin. Yeah, mage armor. Some sweet. Maybe they get some sweet magic missile action going on. <laughs> Eldritch Blast, you know. But our third gang leader, Andon, the one who hangs out in the, the university and eats the books... He claims to have been a baron before being thrown in to Elantris, and he's trying to establish himself as a monarch of Elantris. And he's very annoyed that Karada has the palace, so is making plans for attacking Kay. And he's like, wait, what? Like, yeah, he's not serious, but he's really good at propaganda and says that he can free Elantris, so people kind of want to listen. And Ron's like, yeah, if he was a baron, I probably knew him, but not by that name. Must have changed his name. Then they find the one well in the city, it's like, oh yeah, indoor plumbing, Sule. Courtesy of Aeon Door Magic. Wells were not necessary, but this one is like maybe for religious ceremonies or something. I don't know, whatever. And I guess it says the water is gathered from the river, so I don't know if it's like a well so much as like a hole down to the river under the city. I mean, that's a well. You put a bucket down in there, you draw it out. Yeah. And then they see a Seon meandering about, occasionally flying in circles. And uh, it says it was far too distant for him to make out the Aeon at its center. But apparently uh, the sounds wander around 
because when a Seon's master gets taken by the Shoud, the Seon is, is driven mad. Yeah. So very interesting, but sad. Yeah. So he's very sad about his own Seon, Ian. He's like, oh, he must be out there just crazy now. I love that guy. And then Galadon says, it's going to rain soon and we should get inside. You don't want to spend the next few days with damp clothing and you can't really make a fire here because all the wood is wet or rotten and won't burn. And he's like, so where do we go? And Galen's like, whatever, just you pick a random house. There's probably nobody there. I guess it's hard to remember. This is a very big city and there's not that many people in it at this point. And Rowden is like, hey, but where do you live, Galadon? And Galadon's like, you know, in, in Dooladel? No, um, more recently than that. He's like, OK, fine, I'll show you where I live. And they get there and Rowden's like, books! And Galadon's like, damn it, I'm never going to get rid of you now. So Galadon has found, like, an old, what looked kind of like a wine cellar, but it looks like uh, it's a, it was actually somebody's study or something. There were aeons, the mystical ancient characters behind the aeonic language, painted all over the walls, and shelves of books. And Rowden's like, but wait, maybe these things, these books could teach us about the aeons. Did you ever think of that? You know, the magic of Elantris? They said before the Riyadh, Elantrians could create powerful magic just by drawing these aeons. And Gal's like, oh, what, like this? And he reaches up and draws, like, a glowy white line with his finger in midair. <laughs> and draws, like, a symbol. And just yeah. grins, at, grins at him as, like, the symbol hangs there in the air glowing. And that's the end of the chapter. So he's he knows how to make alchemy circles. Cool. Is that what they do in Full Metal Alchemist? They draw in the air? No, they don't draw in the air. They usually draw on the ground. Yeah, okay. Or uh, if you're like, if you get touched by like the crazy transmutation afterlife creatures, then uh, you're imbued with the power to uh, to know how to make a circle with your body. Yeah. And uh, and then you can use you can do transmutation without a circle. Show me on the doll where the creatures touched you. They took his arm and his leg and his brother's whole body, so that's where they touched him. Oh, All right, because his brother's in a metal body in that show. I've, I've never actually seen it. I've just seen like yeah. stuff about it right now. Okay. Mm. So we cut to Serene, and she's in the king's throne room. And she's like, what the? Where'd that guy come from? And we see the Giorn, our, our friend uh, Harathan, hanging out in the throne room, wearing his blood-red armor and a crimson cloak. And she's like, you know what? The costume is meant to impress, and it's kind of working for him. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of impressed by it. But she says that it's mostly for show. Even in Fjordan's martial society, few people could walk as easily as this Gjorn while wearing full plate armor. So the metal's probably super thin and light. So does that does that make you think less of him after last episode where we're like, dude, he's just walking around in this blood red plate armor. And now we find out it's like, oh, it's not really that that great of an armor. I mean. They say that. I mean, maybe, it still looks maybe Viking, cool. Viking God will probably just imbue it with power or some shit. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe. Jadeth. I did. Uh, I did think maybe he does try to hide that the armor is not like as good as it, it's made out to be because later Diloph tries to help him take it off. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. Yep, he does. I wondered if you if you'd pick up on uh, the little. I I don't think I ever noticed that before until we read it this time, and I was like. Oh, this totally goes with what she was saying earlier. Kind of, that's cool. And uh, she, her her seance is like, well, wh- why are you surprised? Like, you knew that the Dorethi, there was a church here. And she's like, that is a full Gjorn. There are only 20 of them in the entire Fjordal Empire. This is a big deal. Most places do not warrant a visit from one of the high priests. 
And so she's like, let's get closer. But she didn't need to worry about that because he just booms out. It's like, King Iodon, I, Gjorn Rothen, bring you a message. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, Iodon's like, yeah, what does he want? And we already have a treaty, a trade treaty. Like, what more do you want from me? And Rathen's like, well, he fears for the souls of your people. He's like, all right, well, let him convert them. Priests are allowed to do what they want here. And he's like, no, your people need a sign. Rin thinks that maybe you should convert to Shu Dereth. And Iodon's like, jeez. Oh, like, it says he doesn't even bother to mask his annoyance. It's like, I already believe in Shu Korath. We serve the same god. It's like, no, Shu Dereth is the only true form of Shu Kesig. So I'm sure that uh, this makes a lot of sense to everyone. <laughs> I, I I guess, like, the confusing part to me is, if he said, no, Shu Dereth is the only true god, then I wouldn't be as confused. But then he's saying Shu Dereth is a form of Shu Kesig. So it's like, so, like, you're not even serving Shu Kesig, you're serving a form of Shu Kesig? Then what, how do you feel about Shu Kesig? Like, I'm so confused. So, yeah, um, Shu Keseg is the original religion founded by a guy, and I think I'll talk about it later. But it's basically like two offshoots of this are the current large religions in the world. You got Shu Dareth, which the Fjordans follow, and Shu Korath, which is centered on Teod. I think that's their home, uh, the home base of that one. But the Erlons, uh, the religious ones, tend to follow Shu Korath, I believe. And the Fjordans call their god Jadeth, as we found out last time. The the uh, Shu Korath call their god Domi, although I believe there's an original name before Domi. And when the people came to Erlon and the the Aeonic language started based on the Aeons, they used the Aeon for I think it's love, Aeon Omi, and made their god's name like changed their god's name to be based on that. Hmm. So, uh, anyway, fun religious background that I, they're actually going to get huh. into later, but it's probably helpful to know. <laughs> so, yeah, he's it's like, I don't like, no, we, we follow the same God. I'm already a member of the religion. Uh, why are you bothering me with any of this? Go convert someone who doesn't believe. And Rathen's like, you, you don't you, you shouldn't dismiss this so casually. And the king's like, dude, do we really need to do this? No one cares about you or your stupid country. That hasn't had any real influence in 300 years. Just go away. And Rathen's like, nope, we're super powerful. It's like, oh, yeah, well, where's your big empire? Where's your armies, huh? Maybe someday you guys will realize your empire collapsed 300 years ago. Off with you. And Serene's like, wow, he must really be dumb, huh? It's like, how does he not know? Like, how, how are you king of a country? And the only one left on this continent, not under the, like, direction of these, of, of the Fjordans, and not realize what's going on. I mean, it also probably would have helped if um, Horathen had actually said the details of I've got a three-month plan for you. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that might have helped some things, but no, no. Well, you probably don't want to warn them. It's like, do what I say or an invasion is coming in three months and give them three months to prepare for an invasion. Yeah, but he was very vague. It was like, you should convert. Uh, I don't see the point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, nothing? Nothing at all? Maybe you should see the point. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. There's not much. Uh, I think he really didn't want the king to convert, I feel like. I feel like this is just, he had to make a show of it, and then he can go on with his actual plan. Yeah, true. That was that was also what I thought. Like, oh, well, I tried. <laughs> now, now I can overthrow him, and no one can say I didn't give him a fair shot. And 
Serene is actually excited about this. She's like, oh, well, now you don't have to worry about me causing unrest among the nobility here, Ash. I got something much more fun to play with. Why would I bother my time with a bunch of incompetent would-be nobles when I can match wits with a Gjorn? It's like, if Iodon doesn't watch him, and it doesn't sound like he will, this guy will basically convert the city out from underneath him. So then my marriage to have an ally against them won't really help because they will be under their control. So Ash is like, so you're going to help Iodon? She's like, well, he's my king. Despite your opinion that he's insufferable? It's like, well, you know, anything's better than feudal rule. So... And she finally concludes, like, maybe I've decided I can't really work with Idon. Maybe we can just ignore each other and be happy that way. Which is when the king starts screaming, like, what in the name of burning Domi are you doing back in my court, girl? She's like, what? You, don't you understand that women aren't to come to my court unless they're invited? It's like, oh, no one told me. And she's very intentionally trying to sound extremely stupid. And he's muttering. She's like, I just wanted to see the paintings. And acts like she's about to cry. And he just, he's like, no, shut up. And starts ignoring her again as she looks at the paintings. He actually does the talk to the hand. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to waste any more of my time with this conversation because you're clearly an idiot girl. So we're just going to be done. And I like the whole thing where uh, Ash snorts. And she's like, yeah, how do you seans manage to make those noises? You don't even have a nose. How can you snort? And he's like, years of practice. And she's just like, you know, the Keep king expects women, <laughs> the king expects women to be foolish. So I will manipulating, manipulate him by giving him exactly what he expects to see. It'll be great. And that's when she turns, somebody calls, not even her name. You, somebody goes, Eeny? And she's like, who is this guy? And why does he think he knows me? Who is yeah. this lunatic? And what does he want with me is what she says. That's when Uncle Hagrid shows up. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of, I guess. It's David Harbour. And he scoops her into a hug, and he's like, you've changed. Like, when I last saw you, you were only knee-high. And he's like, well, maybe you weren't ever actually knee-high, but not taller than waist, certainly. And she finally realizes that this is her uncle, Hunky K, as she calls him. But without the beard, she didn't recognize him. Apparently, Erlon nobles don't wear beards. And he's like, come on, you gotta meet my wife. And she's like, wait, wife? You're married? I'm shocked, even though I haven't seen you in 10 years, and clearly lots of things have changed. Her uncle had been a sworn bachelor and a confirmed rascal. The wascally wabbit. <laughs> I like, he's like, how's, I guess this is her father's brother. And he's like, how's your father doing? Acting properly regal, I assume. <laughs> and apparently she didn't realize that uh, there seems to have been some sort of falling out between her uncle and her dad. She just has always believed her dad's story that he went far away on a voyage and settled <laughs> down somewhere. And he's like, okay, if you're as smart as of a woman as you were a girl, then you should have been able to figure out uh, that that was BS at this point. And she's like, but why? I mean, you could have like, you're just like a five day trip from home. You could have, you never came to visit. And he's like, uh, stories for another time. Come on, come meet my wife. The monster of a woman who managed to capture your uncle. I like this guy. And I, I agree with Jamie that I really like the family dynamic uh, that we find they have going on here. But let's see. There's an interesting part in the annotations about this. Let me find it here. He says, I've gotten some grief from readers regarding Keen's family. Some think that the family as a whole feels too modern. And it is an anachronism that, to an extent, I will admit to. One of the quirks about the fantasy genre is how it generally prefers to deal with ancient governments, technologies, and societies without making its characters actually conform to ancient personality patterns. 
In other words, most fantasy main characters are people who, if dusted off a bit and given a short history lesson, could fit in quite well in the modern world. And he says, I'll be honest, I prefer the genre this way. I don't read fantasy because I want a history lesson, though learning things is nice. I read it for the characters, and I want them to be characters I get to – I want to like the characters I get to know. So basically, maybe this modern sort of family dynamic is very modern and wouldn't have existed in – like a society of this level of technology in our past, but he likes it. So we're going to, so that the characters are more likable. We're going to go ahead and use this. And he says, my in-world explanation is just because our world placed a certain kind of cultural development alongside a certain level of technological development. Doesn't mean it has to be that way. Yeah, that's fair. It's fantasy. You can just make this shit up. It's like, right. It's kind yeah. of the point of the genre. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I didn't question it at all. I'm just like, Hey, Oh, you have stepchildren. That's fair. Yeah. And I mean, for us, it's like this is the sort of family dynamic that you've seen lots of other places. So you buy into it easily enough. I guess if you're a real stickler, then maybe you're like, no, this is not how families worked back then. But whatever. It never bothered me either. So I just going back to what we got. So he has a big mansion and she remembers him being a successful merchant of some sort with always bringing exotic gifts and clothing. The younger son of a king and a very successful businessman. I like a young girl calls out father's home. And he's like, yes, father's home. And no, I didn't bring you anything. I've only been gone a few minutes. <laughs> and it's a little girl about 10 years old, it says, with a pink dress tied with a white ribbon. And she's like, I don't care if you what you did or didn't bring me. I just want to eat. And a little boy look that looks almost identical to her says, when do you not want to eat, Casey? And so these are her cousins, Casey and Dayorn. And uh, then a new guy walks in and says something snarky. And here is Lukal, his wife, Deora's son from her previous marriage. So his stepson. And he's like, not that that makes me any less his son. You can't escape responsibility for me that easily. <laughs> and Jala, his uh, Lukal's new wife, they were married last month, it says. And she goes, you're Fjordal? And Jala says, Sfordish. And Serene's thinking, well, Sforden is basically just a Fjordal province at this point. Which, if you go back and look at that map we were talking about, you can see Svorden up in the top right uh, of the Fjordal section. Every time I say say Svordish, I think Swordfish? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Now I want to watch the movie Swordfish. It makes me think of uh, Svalbard, which is in Dungeons & Dragons. Svalbard's a real place. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Svalbard's a real place. It's off in Norway. That's... um... In his Dark Materials, that's where the armored bears live. And then I looked it up when I was a kid, and it's like, oh, it's actually a real island that has a polar bear sanctuary. Yeah, that's where the global cool. seed vault is. Maybe it's Svalborg, not Svalbard. I think Svalborg is, is what you're thinking of in D&D. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where, that's where they keep all the seeds in case of disaster to the world. <laughs> but apparently uh, they met at the Swordish University. So even though... Fjorden and uh, and Erlon don't get along well. You could send your kids to university in Sforden. Everyone's cool. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like Durmstrang in Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and they kind of she says congratulations. Nice to know I'm not the only newlywed in the room. And is unable to keep the bitterness out of her voice. And her uncle's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't want to bring it up, but I'm I'm, I'm sorry about what happened. Yeah. But he knows Rowden, and he's like, if it helps, he was one of the best men I've ever known. And if you knew more about Aralene politics, you would know that I don't say that lightly about a member of Iodon's court. And everyone, they're all kind of sad for a minute. Because you, you remember, we find out Lucal is his best friend. So 
probably sucks uh, for him too. And the little girl's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Dead princes, food. Let's <laughs> food. <laughs> How tactful. Yeah, right. She's ten. What are you gonna do? And Keen is apparently the cook, and Serene is amazed. And it's like, oh no, this guy's traveled all over the world and brought back recipes from everywhere. He's baking some Jindo food tonight, which on the map, Jindo is just below Dooladel. In case, see, this is the kind of thing we were talking about last time, where I like having the maps and being able to be like, oh hey, look, see, yeah, that's yeah. right there. I know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's always helpful. And the little boy's like, Jindo food's too spicy. And then we found out there's another, Lucal's full brother, Adian. And uh, Casey says he's probably sleeping. He's always sleeping, I think, because his mind is only half awake. And uh, the mom's like, "You people who say such things about their brothers often go to bed without supper. So she's like, don't talk shit about your brother. And that's where we get into the, uh, they're sitting at the table eating, and the little girl's like, you don't look like a princess. You're too tall. And her mom's like, Casey. She's like, it's true. Princesses are supposed to be petite in all the books. I don't even know what petite means, but I don't think that's her. Jeez, <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> called you uh, called you too tall and uh, not uh, fit or thin or whatever all in one go. Well, no, but it's like it's you get like a little bit more in, and Serene's just like, no, I'm from T.O. We're all this tall. And the boy's like, but father's from T.O. too. And look how tall he is. And the girl's like, yeah, but father's fat. Why aren't you fat, Serene? Yeah. <sighs> You're gonna be tall. You gotta be fat. Come on, everybody knows that. <laughs> the tall you are, the fatter you gotta be. You just can't be a lanky princess, clearly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And then the, the dad's just like, yeah, okay. He knocks on her head. Is like, yep, completely hollow. That explains a lot. <laughs> she's like, I still think princesses should be smaller. Besides, they're supposed to have good table manners, and she's dropped like half her food on the floor. Who ever heard of a princess that didn't know how to use maypon sticks? Um, everybody ever. Nobody knows how to use those except for you and the people from Maypon. Jerk. <laughs> well, apparently, the Maypon sticks, which are kind of like chopsticks, except one of the sticks has like a little scoop on it. I think it describes it like they are originally from Maypon, but the Jindo used them, which is, I guess, why we're using them with Jindo food. Mm-hmm. I think there's actual utensils that somebody, some culture uses that are that are like that. Hmm. Interesting. I wouldn't surprise me. I've never seen one, but I've always thought about chopsticks. It would be real nice if one of these had a little scoopy thing on it. (laughs) (laughs) Scoop it with one, steady it with the other. And then we get a look at the last child, Aiden, Aiden, who is uh, pale and eats awkwardly with stiff and uncontrolled motions. And he mumbles to himself talking about numbers. And Serene thinks that she's met people like him before. My children whose minds weren't completely whole. He's Rain Man. Mm. And he talks, Keen mentions that he learned this dish uh, last year while Lucal was studying in Sforden. And Aiden pops in and says, 2,162,6238. That's how many steps it is to Sforden. Which everyone's like, okay, whatever. No one actually pays any attention to that. But uh, if he's right, that's a hell of a thing. <laughs> that, that, that's nice. Uh, he It is very Rain Manny. One day it's going to come up as a trivia question, and they're all going to be like, (laughs) if only we had the one guy who knows this. Yeah. Jada sponsored trivia nights. (laughs) Big Yorn's like, who, what is the true form of Shu Kareth? Brandon has publicly said that this care about this character, that he was 
kind of, you know, going for an autistic sort of person, but he feels in hindsight, after having spoken with several people uh, who are actually on the spectrum, that he really did a very stereotypical take on it here. And he feels bad about like not doing a more realistic and researching that more before writing a character like that. So there's a fun fact. I like we get it. She's like, man, you cook really well, Uncle Keen. And he's like, you know, I would have cooked back when I was, you know, visiting Teo, but the palace head cook felt that royalty didn't belong in the kitchen and would not let me set foot in there to prepare a meal. And then we, she's surprised that they don't have a cook who works for them. And we get into a discussion about what happened 10 years ago, the Rio, the punishment after the Elantrians fell in this sudden event, this disaster or whatever, uh, it's a, you can't know the horror of, that comes from seeing gods turn wretched and foul. Their fall destroyed the government, throwing the country into chaos. But it was the servants that started the revolution. The very day their masters fell, the servants turned on them. Mostly the current nobility uh, say that it was because the lower class in Elantris was treated too well, and their pampered natures inspired them to cast down their former rulers at the first sign of weakness. Well, that's nice. Okay. Mm, I don't think so. The revolution has begun. (laughs) (laughs) You've treated me so nicely. I'm going to kill you. (laughs) But yeah, so basically the servants started this revolution and a lot of people suffered a lot. The entire country was thrown into uh, into upheaval overnight. And so it's like ever since then, we cannot convince ourselves to hire servants. It's like we don't want to be the next up against the wall when the revolution comes again. And she's like, it's either like, it's fine. You'd be surprised how much you can get done without needing servants, especially when you have a couple children to do the dirty jobs. <laughs> and Lucal's like, that's all we're good for scrubbing floors. And Keen's like, it's the only reason I ever found for having kids. <laughs> uh, it's fun because it's true. Oh, wait, no, that's mean. <laughs> no, it, it's it's uh, in all honesty, having two kids this age, it is a lot easier to clean than to get them to clean. Like I have to spend an hour getting him to clean what would take me 15 minutes to clean myself. So sometimes it's not worth the trouble. Yeah. Right. Oh, goodness. And so Casey declares herself a princess. And Keen's like, oh, so you're a princess now. And she's like, well, if Serene can be one, then I can too. After all, you're her uncle, so that should make you a prince, right? It's like, technically, I don't think I have an official title anymore. That's probably because they kicked you out because you spoke of chamber pots during supper. Princes can't do that sort of thing. Just imagining him on the boat, flipping the bird at his brother as, as the boat drives away. It's like, fuck you, asshole. And his, and his brother's just like, well, guess what? You're not a prince anymore, dickhead. <laughs> just for that. That's harsh. <laughs> yeah, tell you on politics, man. Right. Yeah, who, who knows? Yeah, what goes on there, around. right? Yeah, they flip each other off all the time, I'm sure, in Teo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what I do. It's... Is the highest form of insult over there. <laughs> but she's like, so you're a prince, dad. That makes me a princess. And her brother's like, actually, he's not the king. His kids would be like barons or counts or something. And she's very disappointed. I feel like if if I'm having <laughs> dinner with, some, with, with this person, I find out that my dad's a prince and that would make me a baron or a count. I'd be like, OK, that's pretty cool, actually. I just, both of those titles just sound so much cooler than prince or princess. And it's like, yeah, I'm a baron or I'm a count. It's like, right. I was like. Yeah, like I've got, I've got a big spooky castle and I got hounds. <laughs> <laughs> got the Hound of the Baskervilles going on. I like it. Yep. Uh, like for for Christmas one year, I randomly found online and was like, okay, we're doing this. I got my wife 
she is now a baroness of Sealand because you can buy noble appointments in that country. Well, country, oh, yeah. quote, air quotes. <laughs> right. <laughs> so fun times. Yeah. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm practically royalty. <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> I think you need to buy yourself a baron ship before you say that. Yeah, yeah. well, that, that's that's a lot of money. Yeah. I don't know. You just yeah, day's like, coming up. She's the ba- she's the baroness. You just married into it. That's true. Still good for me. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I don't think I officially have a title anymore. Uh, and Shereen's thinking about that. Like, I've never heard of uh, a prince being stripped of his title, and I know Tio's history pretty well. This might be something I need to look into. Well, I mean, it says kind of a lot that you know she's being shipped over here to marry a guy in this country, and her dad never thinks to bring up. Oh, you know, yeah, your uncle is actually also a nobleman over there now. He married some girl. So it's like maybe the father doesn't also doesn't know or maybe he doesn't just doesn't want to talk about it. But it says a lot that like that's never come up. Yep. So whatever the hell's gone down between dad and Keen messed up. Oh, yeah. And we saw how like kindly her dad seems and how open he is with talking to her. So it, it really does say something about it that it's like, OK, but this guy, this is something this guy didn't want to talk about. Yeah. Hmm. And then Ace shows up, Ash, whatever, and uh, everyone's like, oh my gosh, a Seon! This is awesome. It's like, gosh, he's been serving my house for over two centuries. So here, here's the question answered that we were asking last time. It's like, did something happen to them when they when their person dies or what? And it turns out that her mother passed her Ash, Ash when she was born. One of the finest gifts a person can receive. But I guess that's like that, that was the choice was made to pass Ash on. But mm-hmm. what happens if you die while you have a say on? Right. Like, does it just pass on to the next person, mm. or do you have to sort of proactively pass it on, or or what? Because that could form part of. I mean, she knows that Raiden has a say on, so how would yeah that she might just think about that a little bit, but. It doesn't really clear up what happens when you die. You know, it's a good point, because if, if normal, if normally if you die and your seon is just fine and, you know, goes on to someone else on their own, then it's like, well, wait, what happened to his seon? Could yeah, have suspicions. It, yeah. Well, didn't you're, you're punished and cursed and sent to Elantris and so is your seon. Didn't they see one? Yeah. Mm. They saw one in Elantris. Yeah. We know yeah. that if you if you go to Elantris, your seon goes crazy. But. She doesn't know around. he's yeah. She doesn't know that he's in Elantris. So if if yeah, he, if him dying normally would have meant a certain thing for his seon, and that doesn't happen, then that goes along with her suspicions that something weird is going on. Mm, yeah, that's true. Maybe maybe unexpected deaths, like they if they don't pass on their seon, then then uh, then it doesn't go to another person. It just disappears. Mm. That would be hard to prove then. Uh, that something weird was, unless I guess he yeah. cra- crazy Ian wanders out and gets seen. It's like, hey, isn't that Rowan Rowan Seon? Why is he so crazy now? Yeah. Well, it's like, well could you tell, tell from afar difference. though? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You probably can't tell from far away. You'd probably have to see the Aeon at the center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like this. This. This is my specific Seon because he's this shade of yellow. <laughs> right. <laughs> I that call looks him like Big Dinklebot, <laughs> not Nathan Drakebot. <laughs> and like Casey's like a seon can I play with him after supper and Ash's like wait play with me what 
She's like, can I please? And Serene's like, I don't know. I seem to recall some comments about my height. And my drop. Everyone laughs. And that's the end of Serene's chapter. I, I like that she got such a positive uh, ending to that chapter. <laughs> really nice for her. Yeah. You are a part of this family because you have the sass. <laughs> <laughs> and we cut to Harathan, who's like, yep, there's no hope for that king. I hope to save him. But, uh, you know, I kind of figured that we'd have to overthrow some stuff here. Yeah, he's really Willy, Willy Wonka-ing it here. He's like, no, stop. Please convert. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the note that he's like, if we just gotten here 10 years ago, right after the Riyadh, then we could have taken over while the country was in chaos. But we didn't know at the time, nobody knew, if there was some sort of disease that would spread, so we stayed away. And like Diloff is just like, no, J-Death struck down the Elantrians. It's like, yeah, okay, well, yeah, sure, J-Death, right. But, you know, he uses normal stuff sometimes to – so he could have used a plague to strike down the Elantrians, and it could have killed us as easily. It's like, no, J-Death would protect his Chosen. Yeah, okay, whatever, dude. Basically, Diloff is uh, very fervent in his belief. Maybe not that realistic, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, speaking of zealots, Diloff over here is giving Rathen a run for his money. It's like, I'm a zealot to the point of not believing – Anything is not from Jadith. <laughs> but uh, Harathan starts thinking back. We know that Duladel fell not that long ago. And it's he says it, memories of the Duladel revolution were still stark in Harathan's mind. The death, blood, and chaos. Such a cataclysm had to be avoided. Because he doesn't love carnage. So he's like, I gotta make sure that doesn't happen again. But at the same time, Jadith got a Jadith. The Empire is gonna expand and... Uh, <laughs> You can't wait around for these people. You can't make an omelet without pillaging a few villages. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on if you have any eggs or not. And clearly uh, the villagers do. So. And then uh, he's like, I saw something weird in there. Did you uh, did you see that girl? She was really tall and looked really out of place. And he's Dilof's like, oh, well, what was she wearing? And he's like, all black with a yellow sash. So she put on a yellow sash. I feel like she just wants to piss off her new like mom now. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, oh, no, yeah, that's the new princess. And, uh, yeah, the royal engagement contract made her his wife as soon as she, he died. And it's like, oh, okay, where's she from? Tiod. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's like, I was thinking about, you know, courting her, but Tiod, nah, I'm not interested. No, my thing. And here's where, we, where it says Tiod is the homeland of Shu Korath, a degenerate sect of Shu Keseg, the parent religion of Shu Dareth. The day Teod falls beneath Fjordan's glory would be a joyous day indeed. Harathan's <laughs> like, man. Sa- Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you sound like Rick Moranis from Ghostbusters. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like many, many whatever knew what many it was. Many shrubs and zools knew what it was. To-, <laughs> <laughs> to be digested in the belly of a Torg that day, I could tell you. <laughs> It's a weird line because he says many shrubs and Zools, and Zool is a different character that we know. So it's like, yeah, is Zool so like Zool's a member of a species by... of Zools? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Zool the Zulian. I was <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait till we get to the review today. There's a fun uh, reference that goes right along with that. There is no Dana, only Zool. But Harathan's like, uh, oh, Teo Princess, that could be a problem. And Diloph is no, nothing can hinder Jadis Empire. But if nothing could hinder us, we would already be in charge of everything. So dial it back. 
<laughs> it's like, look, I appreciate going, I immediately regret my decisions. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your zealousness, but, you know, use your brain. <laughs> just, yeah. just think about this for a minute. How long have you got left on probation? <laughs> <laughs> That's a demerit. <laughs> and so Dolph's like, well, how could one woman be a problem? And he's like, well, for one thing, this means that Teod and Erlon are now, like, bonded. So if we're not careful, we'll end up fighting two countries at once, which better to avoid if possible. But, you know, pay attention, Artith, and I will teach you a very important lesson, one that few people know. I will show you how to, the way to destroy a nation. The means by which the man of Jadeth can topple kingdoms and seize control of the people's souls. And he's like, take me up to, like, the walls of Elantris. I wish to view the fallen lords of Erlon. Man, so dramatic. Right? He's very dramatic, dude, and I love it, actually. Take me to the wall. I wish to piss off the side. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the outside of Elantris' walls, there are beautiful terraced steps leading up to the top. So, basically, this is not a defensible position inside the city. You you actually give an enemy coming in, like, an easy staircase up to the top to kill you from. So... That's the way he thinks about it. He's like, he's looking at this in, as a military sort of thing. Interesting that these haven't decayed as well. It's like only on the inside of the walls is shit gone to hell. Right. Maybe that says something. The rot comes from within because there's no slime on the outside of the wall either. No, not that we can, not that yeah. we've heard about. Because, like, you know, the, the he didn't know about the slime until he got there. He's like, look, what's all this slime? Yep. Ooh. It's like, well, what's what's the lesson here? The rock comes within, or man, these are some good fucking walls. <laughs> Primo wall. <laughs> but we do learn an important fact that it doesn't seem like Erlon has a military. They have the Elantrian guards, but he, he says that's more of a public relations operation than an actual military. And if there was actually a fight, the guards probably couldn't do much. Yeah, the way he sells it, it's like, how haven't they been conquered yet? Right. It says only superstition and inaccessibility kept Elantris and Kay from being taken by invaders. Let's see, uh, yeah, man, people are scared. Well, and there's a big mountain range in between Erlon and the main Fjordan Empire. Well, there was until they took Duladel. Now the whole south is kind of open to Duladel, but before now, there's the mountains have kept them back to some degree, apparently. Fjordals are many things. Mountain climbers, not one of them. <laughs> But he also says that uh, there's bandits and thieving bands around, but the larger ones are either under feudal control, which means they have not attacked because they haven't been ordered to, or they were bribed away by Kay's nobles. Both situa situations were temporary. So Erlon is in a very precarious situation right now. And he's like, if we don't conquer it soon, it's going to collapse on its own because it's got so many stupid problems, including inept leadership, an overtaxed working class, dwindling resources, and so on. And Diloth, in addition to just being really into his religion, really hates Elantrians, especially. And they're standing up there. He's like, I hate them. <laughs> Again, Rathen's like, all right, all right, calm down. <laughs> let's, 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 let's pull it back, pull it back, pull it back. Hate, yeah, sure. But we can use them. I hate them. It's like, uh, he's like Anakin Skywalker at the end of uh, talking to, talking to Obi-Wan. He's just like, I hate you. He's from like, from my perspective, the Jedi are evil. Yeah, it's like, you did this to yourself, bro. He said, don't jump over me. I'm going to cut your legs and arm off. And he's like, I don't care. 
<laughs> but but he had the high ground. Exactly. That's 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 what Anakin failed to recognize. Harathan <laughs> uh, spots uh, the buildings decaying and then sees some of the Elantrians. Just when he's thinking that nothing could live in the city, he sees some of the Elantrians going past, and he, he thinks not of them as people, but it's like it was bald. And initially, Harathan thought its skin was dark, like a member of the Jindo noble caste. He couldn't make out the Elantrian's eyes, but somehow Harathan knew they would be wild and feral, darting around like those of an anxious animal. So he's, he, he's thinking, man, Jadeth just took what was in their hearts and showed it to the world, showed everyone how horrible these people really were. They set themselves up as gods, and their hubris earned them their fate. He's like, the first step to taking control of a nation, Arteth, is the simplest. You find someone to hate. So he's like, I want to know everything about the Elantrians. And Diloph is just like, they're foul, loathsome creatures. Thinking of them makes my heart grow sick and my mind feel tainted. It's like, okay, look, I get Sorry. that you... Ha- you <laughs> said Harathim was dramatic? Yeah, okay, that's a fair point. <laughs> Diloph is just yeah, like... The more zealous you are, the more dramatic you are. <laughs> Diloph is like drama personified. Uh, just, <laughs> he can't say anything without it being over the top. And Harathan's like, okay, look, I get that you have strong feelings here, but you need to actually give me information that's useful. <laughs> let's let's put your feelings aside for just a moment, just a moment. I promise <laughs> we'll get we'll get back to them. But uh, you know, we got we got a job to do. And so, remember, Diloph is from Aralon, so he was like, were you ever here before Elantris fell? Did you did you see the city? He's like, yeah. Was it as beautiful as people say? pristine kept white by the hands of slaves all of Aralon were slaves to the elantrians the false gods oh geez okay he's like what about what, what about their magic did they really have magic nope that was lies a carefully crafted hoax so after the riode everything was in chaos and apparently the merchants seized power i don't know if we knew that before but that's the merchants were the ones that took over Makes yeah, sense I think they Iodon's mentioned it before pain. that Iodon's merchant, yeah. And most of the Elantrians were killed in the riots. But there were a few left, uh, confined to Elantris, and so were all men, taken by the shout from that day forward. And uh, he's like, oh, so the transformations still go on? And he's like, yep, all across Aralon. Why do you hate them so much? Because they're unholy. But really, it seems because they lied to us. They made promises of eternity, but couldn't even maintain their own divinity. He's like, I hate them because they disappointed my people. Not me personally. I was already a follower of Shudareth, so. <laughs> He's like, we need a better reason for other people to hate them than disappointment. Yep. Uh, that's uh, that's not going to work. And so he, he's sitting here like, so you're saying that there's no magic involved here, right? He was like, well, yeah, clearly not. It's all fake. Like, so how do you explain people suddenly turning into Elantrians. That seems kind of magical. And Diloph does not have an answer to that. And so he's like, there are other magics in the world beyond, besides Jadeth. And Delph's like, wait, no, that's... He's like, no, not blasphemy. There's like an one acknowledged source of supernatural power. It's like, oh, the Sfrakis. Jeez, oh, these words. God, my brain is <laughs> <laughs> a fracker <laughs> the fracas fraggle rock you know i don't know <laughs> yeah, so so the fraggles yeah okay I think the, the first time i tried to say it i wound up saying sivlaki 
Suvlaki? Okay. <laughs> Suvlaki. That does, that's harder to, the food is harder to make sound like a bad guy than, um, sure. <laughs> the, the Fraggles are souls of dead men who hate, who hated Jada. <laughs> Fraggles. <laughs> and so the, these souls, I guess, have a power after death because of their hatred of Jada. I don't know. It is an accepted doctrine that they can control the bodies of the evil. So I was like, oh. So, and the Delos like, wait a second, you don't really believe this, do you? He's like, well, it doesn't matter. The connection is logical. People will follow it. So, right now, what we have is these people who pe- people don't hate them; they pity them because of how like horrible their situation is. Demons, however, everyone can hate. So, if we make people think the Elantrians are demons, that gives us an in, and people will want to follow us. And Delos like, yeah, yeah, okay, good. That means we get to destroy them, right? Like, yeah, eventually. First we use them. Later, we'll talk about destruction. You will find that hate can unify people more quickly and more fervently than devotion ever could. So I like, this guy's very practical. He's like, look, we want to convert these people. Devotion would be good. We'll settle for hate. Whatever, whatever gets us there. And that is the end of our chapter triad. Just speaking of, for next time, we're going to do another three chapters, seven, eight, and nine. So another triad of perspectives. In the meantime, let us do predigments. What do you guys think? Now that we've got a little more information, we're still meeting new people, learning new details like uh, like Jamie and I think practically everyone said in the intro. It's still we're still very much in the setup phase of this book. But what do you guys think is on the way? So my uh, my biggest prediction for this go around is I actually think Karada is Raiden's mother. I think because we don't know what happened to her, we just know that the woman in in the in K is not his real mother. But we've already seen that it's Iodin's style to be like, oh no, my son died. Uh, mm-hmm. He didn't go to Elantris, so it would make a lot of sense uh, for him to have done the same thing if his wife had become an Elantrian to to basically fake her death, say that she died, and then she became an Elantrian. That being said, I think that's an explanation as to why she keeps trying to go to the palace, not to see Iodin. Although maybe she does want to kill him, but uh, my, my theory, really. right? Exactly. My theory was she was actually traveling to the palace to see Raiden, and so that's mm. probably the biggest thing I got out of this. My other theories are that, uh, like I mentioned before, they're going to be able to use magic to like make themselves live longer, or they're going to find some way to basically use it. Because even though they're they're cursed and they're undead, they'll still have they still have the ability to use the magic that the Elantrians used. So that will that will obviously change things quite a bit, especially for Raiden. And maybe they'll be able to use uh, their magical abilities to form some kind of plan of of escape or a way to connect the people of Elantris, the the undead, to uh, to be able to come together. As far as Serene, I think she's she's our sleuth. I think she's the she's like the sleuth of the piece. She's going to try to like she's going to start piecing things together. I think there's some kind of underground organization going on with Keen and and Lukul, and um, I think she's going to end up being a part of that as well. It may be something to overthrow Iodin. It may be something just to promote the people of Erlon or to protect the people of Erlon. Um, so I think she's going to get involved in that. And uh, then I think the Gjorn's plans, um, 
to are, are going to kind of be what brings the, the main conflict in the story besides the Elantrian conflict. It's just going to kind of bring things to a head in the city and it's going to cause some some chaos. So that's 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 what I'm thinking after reading these chapters. OK, that makes sense. I really I really like your, your thoughts about Karada or even just somebody. If Iodon's really behind this whole thing, then this is probably not the first time he's done it, right? So yeah, yeah. I I, I love the whole Karada is um is his mum idea that you've had, so I'm gonna stick with that in my head. The only theory I've really got is like uh, Raiden mentions his little underground sub like club, which apparently now Lukul and and the rest are in, and the fact that Lukul was like his wife is Swordish and they met at a, at the Swordish University, I think it was, makes me think. All right, so maybe these guys are like they they are actually trying to like they they've got a handle on the Fjordel religion and they're trying to sort of subvert things in Aralon to be more amenable to the Fjordel Empire without actually needing Harathan's sort of style of input. I feel like they're going to be like they're going to try and be the middle ground between. Iodon's foolishness and Harathan's just genocide that he's going to bring. Hmm. Um, I feel, yeah, I feel like they, they were, that, that's what, probably what they were aiming for. And then now Raiden's been tossed into Elantris. He's going to try and find some way to bring that all into it as well. But yeah, all, all his priorities have been thrown out the window. But I feel like his underground group, that's what they were going for. Yeah, just had a guess. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we hmm. really don't know anything about what they're going for at this point. So that's as good a guess as any. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thought. I almost thought the opposite because, I mean, essentially you might, realizing now that Raiden's best friend was Lukul and that he was close with Keen, you might have, I, like, my thinking is more along the lines of they wanted to help build the alliance between Teod and and Kay and Aralon so that they could fight against the Fjordal Empire, especially if his wife is Fjordish. It sounds hmm, like yeah. they were taken over by Fjordal and that they're actually being oppressed. That's kind of where my brain was going on that one. Okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, that makes sense. I think, I feel like rather like they were doing something that's just like to protect from the Fjordal empire without antagonizing them maybe, but I don't mm. know. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a good point that Rowden, whatever he was planning, clearly he was on board with the idea of marrying the girl and making the alliance with Teod. So yeah, that it, that would have to maybe not necessarily factor into their plans. It wouldn't have to, but it would ha have to not be something that was directly opposed to their plans because that would be, it's like, why are you doing that then? So that that's an interesting point. Okay. Mine are, I guess a little bit more <clears throat> short term predicaments. Uh, I'm sort of thinking that, so Raiden, where he's, he's held down now, he's got all these books and, drawings and magic and stuff to learn about so i think he's going to probably dive into a lot of that sooner rather than later to learn about that a bit more um mm -hmm. i think that we'll probably see that say on again uh, whether it turns out to be ian or or not May, maybe he will find his own say on in there not really sure yet given they made such a big deal about how karata doesn't really have other people into her gang and she wants out and she wants the palace. I think that's going to definitely raise the curiosity for Raiden. I love the idea of maybe she being his mother. Like that was really cool when you said that. I I think that he will, he will meet up with her 
possibly before she makes her next escape attempt. Maybe she'll, maybe he will end up with her gang or something. I don't know, but there'll be there'll be some reason that they want to meet together if if she's been trying to get into the palace, regardless of the reason. Having someone from the palace um, there would be quite appealing to her, I think. So I think they will meet up fairly soon. Uh, just what we were talking about a little bit earlier about the the seance as well. I think what happens to a seance when you die is going to be really important to Serene to figure out what happened to her husband. Yeah, it, it's got to factor in somehow. I think these these little little guys are too important to sort of sweep under the rug. That's got to that's got to have some importance there. And we haven't we haven't really met the 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 gang leader. I can't remember his name. Uh, the one who who said he was a baron lives in the university. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Andon. Andon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just see the double A and I'm like A A Ron. That's that's what I, I hear. So when when A A Ron, when we meet him, maybe Raven will want to team up with him if he's he's talking about getting out and attacking Cow Ko. Sorry, the um. Yeah, maybe that would be like a strong alliance there. So we might see Raven do a little bit more research into the gangs from the wall as well and sort of team up certain alliances. And yeah, I feel like everything we've been given, it's a lot of information, but I feel like there's so much in there that's really important. And especially because it's a short time to tell a story. We all know how Brandon likes to end his books. (laughs) You know, they're pretty intense pretty quickly and there's a lot of, a lot of juicy bits of information along the way. So I feel like while, yes, it feels like a lot of setup in these chapters as well, and we're still being introduced to a lot of a lot of this, I think a lot of what we've read this week is going to be really important and it's going to come into play probably across the rest of the book, not just in the immediate future. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really have any long-term predictions at this point of how it's all going to go. I think it's a bit early for that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But, yes, I think you're... Uh... You're probably right on that uh, he's not wasting our time with a lot of this information we're getting here. No, not at all. Okay, then um, let us get into we have one review and one email and let's do the email first. So I put I put some images that were, that were sent into the, the chat that we had. So if you guys want to look at those. But this email is from Jacob mm. and Jacob says, hi, J.D.J.N.D. I'm also J.D. I've been a a big fan of the show since I picked it up a couple months ago. My job has long spans of nothingness, so your podcasts are a really nice distraction. I got to the part where Ellen and Vin are going to crash the first ball in Fadrax, and that reminded me that I'd drawn a comic of Ham and Set sending them off, and I thought I might send it, along with some other things, to you guys, since Data mentioned he didn't want to rip off other other people's work when talking to them about it. So that's, I sent some uh, three images that Jacob sent, and they're pretty fun. Why is Set so tiny? (laughs) Uh, well, you know, like supposed to be a perspective thing. No, I think he's just tiny. Uh, <laughs> he's just like sitting on Ham's shoulder, like he's a little tiny <laughs> creature. I, I, when you said that picture, I legit thought it's like it's a kind of like Aladdin and a Boo sort of thing. Set is Ham's a Boo. Yeah, I, I don't think Set would like that. No, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but he also Jacob also sent. Uh, what are these other two images? There's yeah, there's Daemu a there's a Demu image. Demu looks, looks pretty like badass. The Doom. And then the survivor. I, I think the survivor one's my favorite with like this yeah, uh, so. the arm reaching out of the darkness. 
that's so cool. yeah that's really cool i like that one so just thank you for the, the art jacob uh put that on instagram too at some point to show the cool stuff that people sent in i can't wait for you guys to enter mistborn era 2 and experience all of its epic moments keep on on your trek through the cosmere knowing that i and many others are right alongside you thanks for so much great content wasn't to the time of next thanks man and then the the email ends with P.S. to future me, dude, do that thing you aren't doing. It's been two weeks. Oh yeah, because we <laughs> talk about how like yeah, if you're gonna remember when you send an email in, so he just he used us as a message to himself two weeks in the future. I like it. Hello cool. from the world of tomorrow. <laughs> Shut up, Terry. <laughs> it's like stop it, Terry. And then we have one review from Vigo the World Hopper via Apple Podcast Norway. Oh, Vigo, Which, awesome name. No way. Yeah. Hey. It's funny because clearly we got the Ghostbusters reference uh, when we were just making Ghostbusters references earlier. But also, uh, I have a cat named Vigo the Carpathian, so <laughs> technically that one is my wife's True. cat. He's he's very unlike Vigo the Carpathian, though. He's like super affectionate and uh, nice. Yep, it's true. Um, is is he big? Vigo was a pretty big dude. Uh, no, actually, actually I think he's, cat. he's the smallest of our cats. So, crazy Vigo. Anyway, um, what Vigo the World Hopper says is great. If you want a great podcast with great content, great people, and great discussions, this is the podcast for you. With their excellent predictions, they must have both connection and fortune to capitalized words. So, thank you, Vigo. Yeah, cool Vigo. Yeah, you were very succinct. You're a coin shot. Are coin shots succinct? Is that a, a quality of them? Well, you know, just like coins fly very, very precision-like in yeah, most okay. cases. It, it is now. <laughs> yeah, it, it was now. I, I associate succinctness with preciseness. Okay. Makes sense to me. Uh, okay. So that is our reviews and emails for the week. If you would like to send us an email, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook, and Twitter, and all of those various kinds of places. I put up this week one of those uh, images that the the person had sent us previously as our Instagram. I'm sure you guys saw. So uh, we'll do that maybe with this next set that we just got to. Fun stuff. Like I said, for next time, we're doing three more chapters. So it'll be 7, 8, and 9 for those of you following along out there. And that will actually be the last three chapters for a while. We can move into two-chapter territory for a bit. So things are going to get denser, I think. Music by Miracle of Sound. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to get it. I got it. And uh, It's not by me this time. No. <laughs> not, unless, not unless something goes horribly awry between now and the time it comes out. <laughs> and wasing to the time of next. Colo? My name's Get up, get out of the city of dreams. Get up, get out.